Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Whether you are in the room live, watching live online, later on demand, or listening to our podcast, we're thankful that you've taken some time in this busy holiday season to worship with us. I'm Chris Voigt, and I lead the team here at Dayspring. That team is made up of people committed to helping you grow. People grow here because our team loves to challenge, encourage, and equip people to become more like Jesus. If this is your first time visiting Dayspring, we want you to know that this is the kind of church where you get to be you. We're just like you, imperfect people on a journey. We're allowing Jesus to make something beautiful out of our broken and often messy lives. Learning to live like Him. A little more today than yesterday, a little more tomorrow than today. Even if you aren't sure that you're ready to be on that journey with us, maybe you are skeptical about the claims of Jesus or skeptical of His followers. Well. This is still a great place, a safe place to explore and ask questions as you look for answers. We're asking those same questions and looking for answers too, so I think we can be pretty good company on your journey. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church, by checking out our Facebook page, or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find a discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. And now, let's join our service. Tell me, are there any Netflix bingers in the room? Or, you know, or any other ser- uh, streaming service, uh, or, if, or watching online. Uh, of course there are. That's how most of us have been programmed to watch TV nowadays. Uh, when Didi and I find a show we like, we watch episode after episode until we run out and have to find a new show that we like. We're bingers. In fact, it's our preference that the streaming companies, uh, Alexa, if you're listening, uh, that the streaming companies drop the entire season of whatever TV show before we start watching. We don't like to wait for the next episode like we used to have to do before streaming services ruled the world. You remember, whatever show you were watching would end with a cliffhanger and you'd have to wait until next week to see what happened. Nobody likes to wait. Nobody. Uh, If there is anything universal in our world right now, it's that nobody likes to wait. Uh, we, We can't seem to agree on anything else, but we can all agree that nobody likes to wait. Only crazy people say things like, I like to wait. No, you don't. You're just saying that because you're crazy. Waiting is one of the worst feelings in the world, especially when it comes to waiting on God. You know what I mean. Some of you right now are waiting on God. You've prayed for something, and now you're wondering, God, what's taking so long? Did you hear me? Are you listening? Have you forgotten me? Do you even care? You might be praying for healing. Your your body is breaking down, and you're praying that God will heal you of cancer or some other dreadful disease. You might be praying for your spouse or some other loved one to come to Christ. You might be praying for a new job with benefits so you can provide for your family. Or that God would bring restoration to your broken marriage or healing from depression. 
And yet, the more you pray, the less you see. You've been praying. You've been begging. You've been bargaining with God. You've even been believing that God can, but it's been a long time, and he hasn't. So now you're beginning to wonder, where are you, God? What's wrong with me? Don't you care? Maybe you're even wondering if he's there at all. What do you, what do, you do when you've been waiting and waiting and waiting? His timing might be perfect, but from our perspective... It sure can be frustrating. Welcome to the third week in our series, Missing Peace. We've been exploring what peace is and where it comes from. As we've already seen, biblical peace is very different from any other kind of peace. The world's peace focuses on our external circumstances and expects that peaceful uh, circumstances will lead to peace on the inside. On the other hand, biblical peace begins on the inside, it comes from God, and then works its way out into our external circumstances, in spite of our external circumstances. It is wholeness before God, with others, and even with ourselves, found when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. There's just one teensy little problem. We aren't always very good at fixing our eyes on Jesus. We have crazy eyes. You know, eyes that just dart to and fro like a crazy person. Or maybe I should say sanity-challenged person. Just kidding. We're, we're just great at fixing our eyes on anything but Jesus. We get distracted by anything and everything and lose peace in the process. There is one distraction that is particularly challenging for most of us. You probably don't think of it as a distraction, but since it steals our peace, I'd suggest that it can be. So today, we're going to talk about waiting. We aren't very good at waiting. Uh, we're going to look at what Scripture has to tell us about waiting and what God is doing while we are waiting. If you've ever felt like God was taking a long time, you're in good company. Uh, that, this is exactly what people in the Bible felt like when they were waiting for God to send a Savior. Uh, when we look at the Christmas story, we usually start with the Gospels, Matthew or Luke. Uh, let's look at Matthew's account this morning. Uh, Matthew tells us that as he considered this, this is Joseph, and he just found out that Mary is uh, pregnant and He's not the father. Uh, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So while we generally start here in the New Testament, when we look at the Christmas story, this isn't really where the story begins. I know that not everyone knows the backstory, so let me just bring everybody up to speed. God promised to send a Messiah, promised to send the Savior of the world. God promised, and then 
Nothing. Nothing. For decade after decade. Nothing. Century after century. In fact, in order to understand how long people were waiting, we have to go back to the very beginning. Back to the book of Genesis and the Garden of Eden. Most of us know the story. God created man and said, it's good, but it's not good that you're alone. You need a better half. So God created Eve. Adam woke up and saw Eve and said, whoa, man. See what I did there? Thank you, woman. God saw them together and said, now you're good together. Be fruitful and multiply. Enjoy the blessings of this garden, but don't eat that from that tree over there. That fruit is off limits. Not because I'm trying to keep you from having fun, but because I'm trying to free you for life and blessing. And of course, Adam and Eve gave in and ate the forbidden fruit. They sinned and were ashamed. God brought a covering for them. That brings us up to chapter 3 in a verse you've probably never noticed before. Many Bible scholars believe this is the first prophecy that God would send a Savior. Here it is. This is God speaking to the serpent. He says, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Some translations say, between your seed and her seed, that her seed would crush the serpent's head. One day, someone from the lineage of Eve would be born and would crush the serpent, would crush Satan, uh, the head of our spiritual enemy. There would be victory. Sin and death would be conquered, and we would once again have freedom. This is back at the beginning of the whole story. God promises to send a savior and then centuries pass. Everywhere you turn in the Old Testament, you find people waiting, waiting for hundreds, even thousands of years. Let's pick up the story a few thousand years later in the book of Isaiah, still 700 years before the birth of Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 4, 7, verse 14, we find the very verse we just looked at in Matthew. Isaiah writes, All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So 700 years before Jesus' birth, Isaiah miraculously prophesies, and yet we still had to wait. More waiting. What is God doing when you're waiting? What is God doing when you're praying for healing? Praying for blessing? For reconciliation? For provision? Is he just playing around with you because he can? Is it some power trip? I mean, he could just do it. And yet he doesn't. Is he cruel? Is he just teasing you? Just waiting to show off? What is God doing when he could do something, but he's not? And you're waiting. What is God doing while you're waiting? Well, to try to answer that question, I want to show you a period of history that's not in the Bible. There's a, a period of history that's not recorded in the pages of our Bible. It's called the intertestamental period. It's the 400 years between the Old Testament 
and the New Testament. During this time, during the intertestamental period, there was no word from the Lord. God didn't speak at all. There was just silence. The Israelites were simply waiting in silence. At least God spoke during the days of the prophets. They were still waiting for the Savior, but at least God was telling them to hold on. That day is still coming. But now as they waited, they heard nothing. And I'm sure for some of you that it feels that as you wait for God to answer you, it's like that. You've been praying and believing for something, but there isn't any sign that he's even heard you. All you want is some answer, any answer, even an answer you don't like. At least you'd have an answer. Give me a sign, God, a a feeling, anything, so at least I know you've heard me. And yet there's nothing at all. As Pastor Craig Grishel says, just because God feels silent doesn't mean that God is absent. Now, as we're going to see, while you are waiting, God is working. While you are wondering what's going on behind the scenes, the goodness of God, the the grace of God, the provision of God, the power of God, the God of the universe is always working. He loves you. He is a good father, and he has plans to bless you. Just because you can't see what he's doing doesn't mean he's not doing anything. He is always working, even when we're waiting. The Apostle Paul gives us some context that speaks to this. We find it in Galatians chapter 4. He says, But when the right time came, the New International Version says, When the set time had fully come, At exactly the right time, in the perfect moment, God sent his son, born of a woman. Remember Genesis chapter 3? The offspring of the woman, born of a woman subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. At the perfect moment, moment in time. God sent his one and only son Jesus to purchase our freedom from slavery to sin, to redeem us and through his grace to forgive us so that we may be children of sin no longer, but instead children of God most high. God did all of that in the perfect time. In the original Greek, the phrase is pleroma chronos, Chronos, if you think of a chronology like a clock, it means time. Pleroma means complete or the full measure. Together it means the perfect time. Literally, this phrase means when the time was fully pregnant. If you've had children, then you know what that means. When it's not time, you can't force it. When it is time, you can't stop it. This is true for everything God is involved in. When it's not God's time, nothing you do can make it happen. But when the time is fully right, no power on earth can stop the will of God from coming to pass. In the perfect time, God sent his son, born of a woman. He would be the seed of a woman who, remember from Genesis, would crush the serpent. 
Now, what's really interesting is that everywhere else in Scripture, when it talks about the biology of a seed, it talks about the seed of a man, not a woman. This is the only time we see the words seed of a woman. Why is that? Well, Jesus wasn't born from the seed of a sinful man. Instead, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. His father was of divine nature. He was born of a virgin, which means he didn't inherit the sin nature that we inherited. Born of the seed of a woman conceived by the Holy Spirit, he was perfect in every way. That's why he could be the ultimate sacrifice. And he arrived at the perfect time. Sometimes you can see these things better in hindsight. Uh, hindsight allows you to see things now that you couldn't see then. Have you ever looked back over your life and thought, oh, I'm so glad God didn't answer that prayer the way I wanted him to? Or looked back and thought, phew, that was a close call. Some of you right now are so buried in your story that you can't see the why behind the wait. It'll be clear someday in the light of a new day. We have a saying on the worship team, it'll all be clear with lights. It comes from a sketch we did years ago in which the drama director was describing her vision for the Christmas production and it made no sense to anyone. And her last line was, it'll all be clear with lights. And it stuck with us. Sometimes we don't, we, sometimes things don't make sense right now, but it will all be clear with lights, with the light of a new day. Someday in retrospect, you'll go, ah, oh, that's why. Just because God feels silent doesn't mean that he is absent. Remember that whenever you are waiting, God is working, which brings us back to that intertestamental period, those 400 silent years. If God is always working in the waiting, what was he doing for 400 years? Well, with the help of Craig Rochelle and the Life Church research team who gave us the framework for this series, let me highlight five of the most important things God was doing during those 400 years. First, have you ever heard of Alexander the Great? It's a history lesson now. In 12 years, Alexander the Great conquered the entire world. That's how he became Alexander the Great. Before that, he was just Alexander the So-So, or Alexander the Meh. But when you conquer an entire world, you get your name upgraded. And in those days, everyone spoke a little Greek because Alexander the Great conquered the world. And because Alexander the Great conquered the, the world, and now everyone spoke a little Greek, the second significant thing that happened was that the Old Testament was translated from Hebrew into, somebody yell it out, Greek. Before about the year 280 BC, it was only in Hebrew, a language that very few people could read and understand. But now all of those prophecies about a Savior were in the language of everyone. The third thing had to do with a new way of learning. Uh, how many of you have heard of the Socratic method? Classical Greek scholar Socrates came up with this one. Instead of teaching with one-way communication, like I am now, people were encouraged to ask questions. And then number four, 
in 63 BC, the Romans conquered the Greeks, which brought on an unusual, unprecedented season of peace. And since the Romans weren't having to fight wars, they turned their attention to developing roads and highways, making transportation possible in a way that it never was before. And then number five was known as the Diaspora. The Diaspora was this season of time when the Jews were forbidden from living in Jerusalem. Instead, much to their chagrin, they were dispersed or spread throughout the entire Roman world. Now, when you put all of this together, what was God doing behind the scenes for 400 years while people wondered where he was and why he was silent? Well, for the first time, everyone could read the Bible in a language they understood. For the first time, they were not only allowed, but encouraged to ask questions to the God who was about to send an answer in the form of a little baby boy named Jesus. For the first time in history, the good news of a Savior could travel with a common language across roads and highways through through Jewish people who were spread out through the entire Roman world, then to the Gentiles and beyond. While God's people were waiting, God was still working, preparing the way for everyone to hear about the Savior of the world, born in a little town called Bethlehem. In the same way, while you are still praying, while you are waiting and wondering, God is still working. When when you are in a season, a, a waiting season, when you begin to wonder what's wrong with you, when you wonder if God is listening or caring, you're believing and hoping, but the waiting is beginning to get to you. If you are waiting, know that you are not alone. Abraham and Sarah waited about 25 years to hold the baby hold baby Isaac, the child of promise. Joseph was given a vision to rule, but waited about 13 years. Much of it spent in slavery or prison for a crime he didn't commit. 13 years before his vision was fulfilled. In the New Testament, remember the bleeding woman who touched Jesus and was healed? She waited 12 long years to hear the words, your faith has healed you. A man who couldn't walk waited 38 years to hear Jesus say, pick up your mat and walk home on your own two feet. While you are waiting, 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 God is working. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Sometimes it's just not yet. It's just not the perfect time yet. I am living proof that God works in the waiting. I was 20 when I first knew that God was calling me into full-time ministry. Uh, But I wasn't hired into full-time ministry at Dayspring until I was 32. I spent 12 years allowing God to shape my character and values so that I would be ready when the time came. That doesn't mean it was easy or that I didn't doubt and wonder along the way or second-guess my calling. Of course I did. But God was doing something in me during that time and in Dayspring. And when the time finally came, it was evident to everyone. At the end of the fourth service on the weekend, I candidated. Just before we let out church, someone in the congregation yelled, Hire him! And everyone responded with clapping and cheers. 
It was the perfect time for both me and the church. Which illustrates that maybe your season of waiting is about you not being ready. He's waiting for you to get ready. He's doing something in you or he wants to do something in you. And until that something is complete, you'll be waiting. God is definitely working behind the scenes. Always. We can take that to the bank. But maybe you're not ready. He's teaching you to depend on him in a way you've never had to before. He's proving his faithfulness to you in new ways, in ways you couldn't experience otherwise. Maybe he's teaching you patience. Maybe he's chipping and sanding and shaping you to be the perfect fit for the next season of your life. Maybe it's not ready. Maybe you're not ready. Whatever is going on, don't waste the waiting. There is always purpose in waiting. You can still become like Jesus in the waiting. And maybe that's what he's waiting for. Before God does something for you, he wants to do something in you. Don't waste the waiting. Now, besides his prophecies about Jesus, Isaiah says this. For since the world began... No ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Now focus on that last line. When we wait for him, he works for us. He acts on our behalf. When, when you wait on God, he moves on, your, on behalf of you. You know, this is one of the, the things that makes the Christian faith different from every other religion in the world. In every other religion in the world, every other religious system, people pursue their version of God. They try to win the favor of their God with good works. They try to win the love of their God through religious rituals. They try to perform their way into, God's, into their God's pleasure. And if you are good, you gain favor. But when you are bad, you lose favor. In every other religious system of the world, you work your way into the favor of whatever God. You pursue God. It's not the same in the Christian faith. We serve a God who pursues us. When the time was perfectly right, God sent his son. He pursued you. He made a way when there was no other way. He didn't send Jesus for the righteous, but for the sinner, for the broken. He didn't send Jesus for the healthy, but for the sick. He sent Jesus full of grace and truth to set you free. We serve a God who pursues us. Maybe the God you're waiting for is actually pursuing you and you've just never noticed. Let's close with these words found in 2 Peter. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. Our God is a patient God. But here's what's really interesting about this verse. 
maybe the God you are waiting for is waiting for you. What if in this very moment he is waiting for you to say yes to him? And on that note, will you bow your heads and let's pray together. I just want to give you just a, a few seconds of silence. I want you to be able to hear the voice of God. All of us are waiting for something. We might not know what it is, but we're waiting for something. We, we have prayed and there's still a prayer that we have yet to see the answer for. And Father, we pray that as we, as we, we sit here listening, that if the reason for the wait is us, then we ask that you teach us Reveal, change us, make us more like Jesus. Do what you need to do in us so that we're ready for whatever it is that we're waiting for. Give us the humility to recognize where we aren't ready. And maybe, just maybe, God is waiting for you to say yes to him for the very first time. And the best moment for you to say yes is right now. Don't delay any longer. God sent his son Jesus at the perfect time to pay the penalty for your sin. To give you life now and all of eternity. All you have to do is say yes. And if you have said yes for the very first time today, I want to encourage you to let me know. This isn't the kind of yes that you keep to yourself. This is the kind of yes that you share with others and allow others to come around you and help you uh, learn how to um, be a Christ follower. Father, thank you for the good work that you are doing on our behalf even when we can't see it or feel it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Let me encourage you to download the discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Working through those questions on your own or with others will help the truth of God's word begin to shape your life as you grow to be like Jesus. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen or you can call the church during the week. If you are just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. 
we count it a privilege to play a small part in God's perfect work in you today. The people who call Dayspring their home church make this ministry possible. Their faithful giving is proof of God's work in their lives and they want to pay it forward so you can experience the same life-changing presence of Jesus. For those of you who would like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen or mail a check to us at the address you'll find on our website. Until we meet again, I am praying that God will give you opportunities to use your influence for the glory of His kingdom. And one more thing. Thank you for liking and sharing and following Dayspring on whatever platform you connect with us. Thank you for rating us where that is appropriate. Even more, thank you for sharing our services with your friends and family. If this service was a blessing to you, it'll probably be a blessing to someone else too. God uses you to plant seeds in other people's lives. So keep sowing.